0: Sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, it's it's time to be uh, piratey. Uh, hello there, uh, Aaron Porter. How you doing, my friend? It's time to be piratey, but not monkey. Yeah,
2: no, no monk <laughs> action today. Just pirate. Well, that that sounds very masculine
1: of you to say. Oh, oh, yeah. You know what that reminds me of? I saw this uh, this article uh, just within the last few days, uh, and uh, and uh, uh, the article pointed out it was an opinion piece. Most news these days, so called news, is opinion. It was an opinion piece uh, that talked about how so many people who In in recent years, have been campaigning and against and decrying toxic masculinity, are now just worshiping and applauding and clamoring for uh, Mr. Zelensky, president of Ukraine, who's displaying all those classic masculine traits and standing up against the Russians. So, for example, when uh, in the early hours of the invasion when the u.s offers to send in an evacuation flight to get him out of kiev before the russians show up you know he texts back i need ammo not a ride
2: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> I, didn't,
2: I didn't know that one that's a that's a good look. Li- man someone in hollywood's writing him some catchphrases baby.
1: i need I hear it. ammo not a ride Honestly, yeah, yeah that's
2: quite a t-shirt
1: And so there he is. I mean, he, and he's, and he's on the screen and he's addressing just tirelessly. Uh, And he's spoken to both houses of Congress. He's spoken to the UN. He's talking to, to uh, uh, you know, parliaments uh, all around the world and his own, his own countrymen on a daily basis dressed in olive green, uh, shirt sleeved uh, looking, uh, just looking freaking tough and the amazing thing i don't know if you know this the guy's story but the incredible thing is he started out as a stand-up comedian i did not know that he was a stand-up comedian and then he got cast in a television show
2: how many stand-up the, up comedians are going to have bigger people coming around slapping them this week come on
1: <laughs> so so uh he, he, here's the thing he got cast in, in a ukrainian television show and the premise of the show is that and and Ukraine, sad to say, but true. One of the reasons it didn't make it into NATO was it had a well-deserved reputation for uh, political corruption, just a lot of corruption. So the premise of the show is that some ordinary guy somehow gets elevated to the presidency of Ukraine, and he takes on episode after episode. He takes on all the corrupt powers that be, and and you know, and makes a little progress at the end of every episode. Well, it becomes the most popular show in the Ukraine. It runs for four seasons, and now comes election, and uh and, and and people want him to run because he's the he is you know he's the reform candidate every week on television. So he runs and wins in a landslide. He got seventy percent of the vote.
2: Oh my gosh, this is kind of like if Martin Sheen had ran for president after West Wing was on. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly.
2: We we like that guy as our president. <laughs> I, yeah. Insert.
1: Other but but judging there. from this guy, he could have been his own writer because he's coming up with great lines all the time, and he is. I mean, uh, you know, much to the world's astonishment, uh, he's standing up to uh, to a bully and uh, showing a lot of moxie. Uh, I mean, can you tell me? This
2: is one of my problems with a lot of these conversations, not about the Ukraine, uh, rock on, but mm-hmm. this, the article you mentioned where it talks about toxic masculinity. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that I'm unfamiliar with the term, but like so many even church terms, like the emergent mm-hmm. church, I was accused of being an emergent church for years when we had our yeah, church yeah. in a triple white mobile home. And every yeah. time someone would bring it up to me, I'd say, oh, I don't know, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. What does that mean? And <laughs> nobody could tell me what it meant. They would give me a bunch right. of articles about other pastors. And I'm like, "Right, exactly. well, okay, but you haven't answered the question. So is there some codified definition for what toxic ma- masculinity is, or is that just what's thrown out when, I, I don't know, there's something disagreeable to
1: someone? Do, do you yeah. know? I don't, don't know, but I do think that it does that term, you know, the the idea is that it's, I think, as I, as I understand it, that, uh, it tends to be, you know, assertive to the point of being machismo, machismo, however you pronounce that.
2: I'll go with the machismo. Uh, I'll, I'll stick uh, with that.
1: Okay. It's, you know, it's kind of dirty, hairy, uh, you know, tough guy, the guy who, uh, you know, has no emotions and gets shit done. That's the guy. Now, I remember when we started Samson, uh, it was just about the time that a book came out that was uh, was a big seller for a while titled uh, Why Men uh, Hate Going to Church. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Remember that book? Right. Uh, And uh, the premise of the book was it's because the church – in its worship, and its all its language, and its music, and everything had become feminized.
2: Right. No, I, I remember you, you spend more time on your flower arrangements, and you should put a Harley Davidson on the stage, and then boys will want to come, because right. obviously none of it's about Jesus. It's about flowers versus Harleys.
1: Right, exactly. Now, there's, there's no doubt that if you walked into a Christian bookstore in those days—this was when— um, uh, uh, you know what, what was the Bapt what the Baptist Christian bookstore that became what was the big chain? So, uh, suddenly, I can't even remember uh, the one that pulled my book out shortly after it came out. After it got protest from a from a, <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, uh, Lifeway, should... Lifeway, Lifeway, okay. Lifeway. Yeah, so Lifeway, uh, you know, had done a profile of its of its target customer, its key customer, the person who would spend the most money in the store. Wait, Let me guess. They, let me guess. That's got to be like
2: average 40-year-old woman. That's right. And I think they named her
1: Jennifer. Oh, gosh. We didn't uh, name her? Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is why when you walked into the store, you smelled the potpourri. It was a lot of purples. It was a lot of lavenders. It was a lot of, you know. A lot know. of Amish women on, on novel it, covers. That's right. Exactly. Uh, you know, Christian romance novels. And then this very tiny men's section. You know, toward the back, uh, and it kind of buried in the middle of the story. All that to say, so so there was something about the church was uh, uh, I guess there was something to the critique, but strangely, when Sam, when Samson and the Pirate Monks came out, first of all, it got <laughs> it got it got pulled from Lifeway because uh, a Baptist preacher in South Carolina, I think, raised a big stink because uh, the Baptist the Southern Baptist had just reaffirmed their opposition to alcohol. And Samson and the Pirate Monks uh, defended the moderate use of alcohol, so for that reason, uh, they pulled it. Uh, you could still buy it, but you had to order it, and then the, uh, and then you go pick it up, and they give it to you in a brown paper bag. It's kind of like buying porn. But um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, where was I going with that? Uh, you were talking about there was going to be a response. Oh, to oh, your oh yeah, book. yeah, yeah. But at the same time, the book when it came out was was revered, reviewed in Publishers Weekly. By a woman who apparently had never read it. But she knew in her mind what it was about. She knew from the cover. And she knew it was about toxic masculinity. It was about the resurgence of masculinity in the church. And that. As though that's what it was about. And it was during those times. When it seemed every men's conference that I was called to speak at. Had thought some theme like man up and you know it was so much camouflage on the stage and there was a lot of duck hunting and a lot of rifles and it's like you know be a christian man go kill an elk for jesus and you know the tragic thing i think is that in either case we're putting all men into one category
2: yeah yeah well right and and, i mean going back to your article you're talking about here's a guy who is not leaving the people he's leading right that all of a sudden well that fits into the same category as toxic masculinity well, right yeah no that's just fits into good leadership and sacrificial right, yeah, yeah. leadership right but right but right, right. that same behavior in a different context i mean i'm not uh-huh. going to say that there is not a behavior that is exhibited by men that right. is gross and toxic and abusive all in yes. the name of manliness. So, right, it's, it's really not simply about the behavior or even the attitude. It depends on the context. Yeah, and and that's what I mean. Honestly, the word that comes to mind with these things to me is mm-hmm. bored. I'm yeah. so bored of stupid conversations that generalize everything. And the second somebody tries to bring context into it, so that it yeah. can be. So they can be agreeable because the second you bring context, I can agree with people that are on any side of an issue in certain contexts. But as long as you remove all context, well, then we can create dichotomies that have oppositions and enemies and glorious battles that can fill the stupid news. Yeah. So yeah. I I think we need an interesting conversation on this. I don't know where can we find a person that could uh, give us some some out of the box
1: thoughts. I want to. Well, you know, think. I, I think we should find somebody uh, maybe on the west coast, maybe west in coast. Southern California. Uh, that sounds dangerous, but okay. Maybe maybe somebody. Who has kind of walked the line a little bit maybe maybe somebody maybe somebody who has experienced a struggle with inappropriate anger to the point of rage and it's been destructive okay well look
2: let's take a quick break let's see if we can find somebody if we do then we'll come right back after this break and uh and have a conversation about it i I don't know let me grab my phone we'll be right back here on the pirate monk podcast
1: And welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest today, one that is uh, requested by a number of our listeners. I've been hearing about this character, Dan Griffin, for a while, a speaker, an author, a consultant, uh, entrepreneurial type, but a guy with a real heart for ministry and a, and a flair for leadership, and a guy who has a way with words. Dan Griffin, thank you for joining us.
0: Oh my God! Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind words. Great to be here.
1: <laughs> All right. Hey, the first book of yours that I uh, became aware of is uh, was called "A Man's Way Through the Twelve Steps." Uh, it sounds as though uh, the you know the premise uh, implied in the title is that. Uh, the recovery journey is not the same for everybody and and quite possibly may be fundamentally different for the typical man than it is for the
0: typical woman is that true so here's my take on that after so i wrote that in 2009 mm-hmm. and i was still working in the courts at the time that i wrote that but i was well okay. on my way to my own personal recovery at the time uh huh and i think The way I would answer that question is we are socialized very differently as men and women.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I believe the 12 step journey, like other journeys, spiritual journeys is a path toward wholeness. Mm -hmm. And in that wholeness, I believe we, we find a different sense of who we are as men, of masculinity, even mm-hmm. masculinity becomes very differently performed, so to speak, mm-hmm. in, in the process of recovery. And as a result of that, um, you know, so the f- part of the healing comes from healing from the way we were socialized. I had a, a friend who read a man's way through the 12 steps and, um, he was not in recovery and he, and he read it, he really liked it. And he said, this seems to be about recovering from being a man more mm-hmm. than recovery from addiction. And that was very poignant to me because I thought, you know, that's part of it, right? Is it's like the way that we raise boys and girls is a very wounding way, but yes, for, for men, it's grounded in an emotional suppression. It's grounded mm-hmm. in a loss of sense of self and recovery is about finding that. And I think in finding that the, there's a whole new masculinity that emerges and it feels like it's less important than to adhere to the old rules of masculinity. Uh-huh. And, and it really becomes what I call a conscious masculinity, um, which is 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 not fettered by rules and preordained um, direction for how somebody has to show up in their lives.
2: Okay, so I mean, the the thread through many of your books here is is this masculinity. what is what do these different things mean as a man? So, first of all, it begs the question, how in the hell did you end up needing to get unfettered? Where did the fettering occur? How did you get confused? But more importantly, you came to a wrong conclusion of what masculinity was. So what was that wrong conclusion? And how do you really define what masculinity is since you're saying it's going to apply perfectly to each individual man, which means I don't just have to, you know, spear a shark from a canoe, which I'm
0: Can i have Can 10 about.
1: more questions so. to that, Aaron? <laughs> Come on.
0: Yes. In graduate school, Aaron, I learned that... Uh, Asking multiple questions in one question confounds the variables and skews the results of the, the research. But but only <laughs> only
2: for men that don't use words like confound and unfettered. I knew you could handle it. So what brought you to your wrong idea of masculinity? And what did you discover is the right one that brings hope to all men and not just the super cool? <laughs>
0: So, so I've been doing, I'm, I'm working on, um, I'm, I'm actually redoing my second book, a man's way through relationships. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's connected to your question. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that, but I'm also working on a new book called, um, uncomfortably numb and, um, men's search for connection in the wake of trauma. Uh, that's, that's the current title. It might change, you know, with publisher and that sort of thing. But the, where I'm going with this is, um, as I've been working on that book, I've been reading some other books that have looked at this issue of masculinity and male emotional suppression and trauma and relational disconnection. Mm -hmm. And I would answer your question, Aaron, by saying, I was given the wrong conclusion about being a man. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the capacity as a young boy to question it. I just did it. Mm -hmm. And as boys, most of us just do it. Now, part of that, I think, is changing in our society in a very positive way. But I also think that that water runs very, very deep. So what, what
2: how would you define the wrong conclusion? What was handed to you? And who handed it to you?
0: Yeah, so um, society handed it to me. My father handed it to me. My mother sat by while my father was handing it to me. It got reinforced in the schoolyard. It got reinforced at work. Um, and even some relationships I had reinforced it and the wrong conclusion was men are not vulnerable. The wrong conclusion was men don't have real, don't have feelings other than anger. Mm -hmm. The wrong conclusion was that there's something wrong about a man asking for help. The wrong conclusion Mm -hmm. was that sex is only, or intimacy is only found through sex The wrong conclusion was that my identity was built around work. Um, And the wrong conclusion was that um, the way that I connect to others um, is through a false self rather than a more whole and integrated self. Mm. So is
2: there a certain moment in your life where you realized this is this is the core thing? That is causing me great unhappiness. I got to work this shit out.
0: Man, I keep having that moment. (laughs) I've I've been on this path for 27 years. And every time Uh I have had a moment where I thought, ah, that's it. (laughs) Um, It's just a layer, you know, it's, it's just a layer. and, And I don't think we ever get there. Um, I don't I don't even think the Dalai Lama or Thich Nhat Han or some of these uh, you know, incredible, incredibly spiritually alive people. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would say that they're there. I, but, you know, the first moment came when I was confronted around my alcohol and other drug use. There's no question about that. Another moment came when I was in a relationship with someone who I love very much, and I found, that I was completely incapable of connecting with her in a vulnerable way without it becoming rage and disconnection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another point came when I realized this was probably the more recent, one of the more recent ones, when my career was taking off, and really looked like it was going to, uh, you know, give me everything I had been working toward and hoping for. And it I completely blew it up and um, realized that once again, as conscious as I was trying to be, I was trying to find an identity through success and accomplishment, external accomplishment. Um, that I ultimately, fundamentally, down deep, didn't feel I deserved anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So,
2: with that said, with all those moments, and I'm sure your your new definition, a more complete definition, how's that? See, that's still open ended, right? Your most complete definition of masculinity. What is it?
0: What does that look like now? So, so. <sighs> here's here's where I'm at right now with this because there are a lot of people out there right now who are defining masculinity. They're saying mm-hmm. a man is this. Um, I think, and this is why I call it conscious masculinity. Um, the, the, the underlying uh, energy behind conscious masculinity is what I call enlightened choice. And what that ultimately means is that in any given moment, um, and Terry Real actually talks about this um, in his book, What Happened, or How Do I Get Through to You, uh, which he wrote you know, 15, 20 years ago. And it, it really is a, it, it's a phenomenal book. But he went to Africa and he was talking to the Maasai and a, and a Maasai elder. And, you know, the the Messiah didn't really have an understanding of like a disconnected self. It's like, if I'm called to weep, I weep. If I'm called to protect, I protect. If I'm called to, um, you know, connect, I connect. And so for me now, it's like, I notice when the um, enforcement of the man rules comes up and I have an opportunity to take a deep breath and say, what is true for me in this moment? And who, who, what fits the best for me? Now, the three of us could be in that exact same moment. And we could Mm -hmm. answer that question differently. And if we answered it authentically, then that would be the masculinity that is true for us that would Uh be the emotional or that would be the, um, expression that is most true for us. And so ultimately I don't define masculinity and, and maybe, maybe that's a mistake. Maybe that's something that'll change, but I feel like so much of, so much of, uh, the suppressive, Masculinity, what some people call patriarchal masculinity or hegemonic masculinity, um, is you know some people call toxic masculinity, but just any kind of restrictive masculinity is so much bound in definition in a narrow definition. I feel like the the freedom comes by not having that required definition.
2: So the other definitions yeah. are always yeah. pointing towards this is what you should move towards or achieve or be, which ends up being restrictive. And you're saying, no, you've been you have been uniquely made. You you will be masculine if you in this moment are present in your life and are honest about what emotion is required, that there's far more than anger. If you are most you in your creation. Then you, masculinity is a byproduct. It's not a, a thing. It just is if you are masculine.
0: Yeah, and of- I know, and I think that's well said. And I and I think honestly, then because we're so fixed, fixated on what masculinity means, that like you just said, uh, masculinity becomes a byproduct. Masculinity kind of falls away, and it's and it's. It's not that you transcend gender, but it's that gender is less important because it's like so much of gender is shame based. So much of gender is about enforcing rules. Uh, so the more we move away from that and a more authentic expression, the more we're finding something. And I just call it conscious masculinity because, um, you know, I still identify as a man, um, even though. Honestly, I don't care as much about that as I do about just being a good person, being a good spouse, being a good father, being a good neighbor, being a good member of my recovery community or my community in general.
2: Okay, so, uh, Nate, I'm sorry, completely ignoring you right now, but can I say one more thing, Nate? Yeah, please, go ahead. What you're saying seems important because of some of the vernacular that's become popularized uh, in, in the strange years we've had revolving around gender and masculinity. Um, and I was just watching someone who was talking about masculine versus feminine traits. So that was their their deal. And I think what you're saying is kind of important in this because a man being tender— Uh, a man waking up in the middle of the night to rock his baby back to sleep, those would fall under the headings of feminine traits. And yet that could be the most manly thing that a spouse and a father ever does. And so it feels like you're pointing to some of the ways that those categories actually rob us of embracing those moments as men because we're having to define it as manly or feminine.
0: Again, well said. And, and because so much of it is shame-based, so much of it is reactive, we miss the opportunity for the authentic connection. Every man, every person who has a child feels drawn to attach and connect to that child. Like I was I was attending a seminar and the guy talked about the unique relationship between the child and the mother and the release of oxytocin. And I was like, you know, that's true. Except there's research now that shows when the caregiver is a father, the same amount of oxytocin is released. It's not it's not a unique relationship between a mother and a child. It's a unique relationship between a parent and a child, a caregiver and a child. It's the part of us that wants, that is wired to connect. But so much of how we're raised as men is about disconnection. So when we can notice that and then we can say, wait a second, I've got, <laughs> I've got this energy inside of me that wants me to disconnect. Can I make a different decision? And and again, that's where the conscious masculinity comes in. Only if I'm conscious of the programming can I make a different decision. Otherwise, um, you know, there's a popular saying: we repeat what we don't repair. Right. So. Yeah. That is, that is a part of it. And so the most loving, dedicated father can unintentionally repeat the same kind of emotional suppression or disconnection that he experienced as a child, because that programming runs so deep that when you're in that moment with that baby, and I've experienced this with my daughter, when you're in that moment with that baby, no matter how cognitively committed you are to being a great dad if you are not able to notice the deep energy that comes up around wanting to disconnect from that child it'll be difficult not to do that as opposed to say this is this is my baby and i'm going to withstand the discomfort of the vulnerability that exists to just hold something so incredibly fragile and then be with it.
2: Mm. Nate, what's Mm. coming up for you in
1: these, these thoughts? I want to be clear what I'm not hearing. For one thing, thank God. It's been a few years. There was a stretch there where it seemed like almost every men's conference that I was invited to speak at had uh, a theme, something like Man up uh and so yeah you know, it was like this b- b- boot camp drill i uh and we would be uh, the the intention of the organizers would be to get guys to ask act in more prototypically culturally masculine ways
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: uh because that's what their wife needs that's what their children need they need to be the strong one that, now what i'm not hearing you say is i'm not hearing you say that Anger is wrong. There are times when it is absolutely appropriate and right to be angry. Do
0: you agree? Yes and no. Um, Well, well, here's the reason I say that. Um, Anger has been so deeply programmed in us that it's really difficult sometimes to see what is authentic anger. And Mm -hmm. because We are so, we tend to be raised to be so emotionally disconnected that, um, so I'm, I'm somebody, if I were in recovery for anything other than alcohol and other drugs, Mm -hmm. it would be rage. Uh It would would be raging anger. Right. So, okay. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that has brought me to my knees long into my recovery I didn't understand the trauma that was driving it. I didn't understand the attachment stuff that was driving it. I didn't understand some of the mental health issues that were affecting it, but it brought me to my knees. So, is there an authentic space of anger? Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is the majority of anger that is expressed authentic? Yes. I don't right. think so. I agree. I agree. Yeah. For instance, Absolutely. let's just talk about <laughs> this. Will be uh, fun. Yeah. Let's something that what, happened last night. Let's talk about what happened last night. Now, okay. It's very Who loaded. Who told
2: you what I did last night? This is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this okay. show anymore. It's going to be a few weeks before this episode airs, but let's okay. bring the listeners that this this uh, we're recording this conversation the day after the Academy Awards. Okay. And I think that's probably all we need to say. Uh, yeah, yeah. so Talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Probably right
0: because it's the slap heard round the world. Right. Yeah. Now you can unpack this in many different ways. Right. Because race is involved, masculinity yeah. is involved, fame yeah. and ego is involved. Right. Um. And I'm not going to say that I'm correct in how I'm seeing this. I've been trying to take some time to reflect on it. And personally, there's a part of me that's like, as a white man who has no idea what it's like to be a black man in this culture, I don't don't have a space to necessarily have a voice on this. However, as somebody who has deeply researched and reflected on masculinity... Mm -hmm. I think there is a space to have um, a uh, comment on this. And, and that is you have a man who's incredibly under pressure, who's got a, a just an incredible amount of feelings coming up and vulnerability around mm-hmm. is he or is he not going to get an Academy Award, the supposed pinnacle of right. accomplishment. Right. Mm-hmm. So imagine how that feels. Then, um, it, depending on how well he's managing that, stuff comes out sideways. But, you know, somebody made the point of there there was a gracious way for him to respond to that. And then there was the more, what we would call a more toxic or patriarchal way of responding to it. And Will Smith chose the more patriarchal, toxic way of responding to it. and. Yeah. Was that authentic anger? Absolutely not. You'll mm-hmm. never convince me that that was authentic anger. Was he being a good protector? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I don't, I personally don't think so. You guys may disagree, um, but uh, you cannot stand up in front of a billion people and say God is calling you to be a vessel of love, yeah. which he did in his acceptance speech, yeah. and then somehow connect that to the commission of violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So was that authentic? So, so there are going to be people who are going to say, Oh yeah, you know, he dissed your wife in front of you and, and you need to protect her and you need to stand up for her. That to me is, is the, it takes a lot more courage to not react and to not, act out and prove his, you know, again, what people, many people would refer to as patriarchal masculinity, this idea that violence is the way to protect your ego, protect your family. Um, And yeah, I, I, I think it was just absolutely, um, it was a very, very poor choice, poor character. And when he had the opportunity to clean it up, he chose not, to do that. Um, and, uh, it just is really, it has deeply impacted my respect for Will Smith. So
2: back in the early to mid nineties, I had a, a unique experience being around some of the, some of the best fighters in the world. And I was a young dude around guys that were so impressive, talent wise. And what I saw time and time again is they were the last people that would ever have a violent response like that. Mm. In fact, their very presence often diffused things because they had a very real confidence in that way. Mm -hmm. But when I would witness those types of moments and what was the scariest kind of person, was someone that you felt the level of insecurity, which comes from emotions like fear and sadness from past hurts,
0: mm-hmm. and that is changed.
2: trying to mm-hmm. trying to believe for themselves that they aren't deficient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's as I'm listening to you talk because I watched that. That was that was painful for me to watch. Nate and I were talking about it before you got on. You gave us a little extra time that was good. We got to talk about this for a while. Um, And it was good to process because we had very different feelings. But Mm -hmm. it really just hit me in the stomach with like a nauseous kind of brought back all those feelings of seeing stuff go out of control. When somebody was using violence to try to prove to themselves that they weren't the broken person that was sad and fearful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and no man is um immune to that. You know, we love to project onto successful people that they somehow have the magic answer about how to live life. But you know, again, that's why I call it conscious masculinity. You know, you you do not it, it is not a um it is is it is not a requirement of success to be conscious and um and at the same time you can be quite conscious and not be quote unquote successful by our uh society's standards um you know we don't celebrate necessarily the the man who is who is a dedicated father and spouse, and you know, has overcome just horrible programming as a man to just be a loving and safe person in the lives of the people he cares about the most. To me, that's that may be one of the ultimate successes, but our society says that masculinity is. True masculinity and affirming your masculinity is contingent upon having that golden ring, and being able to reach the golden ring. So,
2: Nate, talk mm-hmm. to me about one of the most important things I learned when I did my started doing a daily Silas check-in, like yeah. fifteen years ago, however long ago it was, was the fact that every day I had to check in with an emotion, one of the five yeah. emotions that we're using, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. just pissed me off every day for quite a while. <laughs> Um, yeah, and until it didn't until it became normal. Yeah. yeah. And even today we were talking about how I haven't been able to sleep the last couple of days. So I'm just tired. And when I wanted to check in with an emotion, I wanted to check in with, I'm tired, but that's not an emotion. What, right. what is that making me feel? And it was making me feel yeah. like yeah. melancholy. I was just bummed out. I was sad was the emotion I was yeah. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about why. How that's such an important part of our development to be able to quickly and accurately assess our own emotions, so that we can then say, "Okay, this
1: isn't really anger. I'm, I was hurt." Yeah. Well, I really do think that one of the central skills in development in, in recovery is uh, is recovering, or perhaps acquiring for the very first time, an emotional vocabulary. I, you know, I, you know, my sponsor, you know, twenty two years ago, twenty four years ago, now. You know, saying, tell me what you feel. I mean, I just, I had no idea. I was told not to. That was part of being a man, was not to feel. uh, But well, he wanted me to journal. And he said, journal what you feel. I don't know what I feel, I said. And uh, he had a classic response, which really was very helpful to me. He said, tell me what you w- might feel if you weren't such a freaking nice guy. Hmm. Uh, because, uh, unlike, I will tell you that in the Samson society, uh, probably the number three issue that brings guys to Samson is rage. And it's, uh, it's so common. My story is a little bit different. I had anger taken away from me completely. So, uh, you know, rage was the equivalent of, uh, you know, I don't know, that was the unforgivable sin. And so I, I, I didn't know how to connect to hanger in any other way and, and or to any emotion at all. But the truth is anything I do, I'm going to do probably for an emotional reason. That's the initial impulse. And what I'm feeling is the most reliable predictor of what I'm liable to do next. And so learning to connect with what's going on, it was such a revelation when somebody, when a guy said, you're always feeling something the day mm-hmm. you're not feeling something is the day you're dead. But, uh, yeah, learning how to do that uh, and finding a place that's safe enough and people patient enough to sit with you, especially in uh, an unwelcome feeling, one that you have an inner resistance to, that's, that's hard work. And I love your phrase, Dan, conscious masculinity. I really like that. And enlightened, uh, and you're not trying... making
2: enlightened choices. See, we're,
1: yeah. we're, we're tracking, we're we're adding this to our vocabulary. We're getting there, we're <laughs> gonna steal it. I'm gonna, uh, are you kidding? It's going in my next book. I thought, I, <laughs> I, I, I thought it up. Uh, uh yeah, uh, let me ask you this question, Dan. Uh, from where you sit today and from where you see it today, what is your life mission?
0: Hmm. Man, that's a great question. Um, I just want to really affirm both of you for your conversation and what you're doing and how you're having this conversation. And there's a line in in the book I'm working on where I say, just men getting in touch and communicating our feelings is a revolutionary act. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, because there's so many people talking about toxic masculinity and and a guy I know, Mark Green, he says, I think we should talk about the toxic culture of masculinity mm-hmm. because it shifts, right? It shifts it then from it being about these men. But I mean, in this, in this book, I directly take on some of the rhetoric that's out there, whether it's about people having to go back to the type of men that you know, kind of reinforcing the more toxic culture of masculinity or some of the rhetoric that has just fundamentally, um, um, rejected any kind of space for men to talk about their pain and the pain Mm -hmm. of growing up in society. Right. Because, you know, and, and especially especially the pain of like a a man like me or, and probably like the two of you, a white heterosexual cisgender male. Right. And, And my argument is not that there's not oppression out there and patriarchy and privilege are very real and very damaging to men. And when you have a position of power, you're more likely to hurt people. So, mm-hmm. so why wouldn't we put a lot of time and attention into healing the men who are part of that? You know, I uh, another line that I just repeat throughout, I mean, I try to put it on like every other page. Open men's hearts, heal their pain, and change the world. Mm. I fundamentally believe that I fundamentally believe that. And there's a writer named bell hooks who just died. She wrote a book. She's a, she's a, a, just a dedicated feminist and I discovered her in graduate school and she wrote a book called the will to change. Um, men, I think it's men, masculinity and love. Um, and It is the first time I've truly felt heard and seen by a feminist. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, and, and again, like there, there are guys out there who are anti-feminist who don't have a, a clue what it means. So I am not that I consider myself a feminist from the perspective of, I am committed to the equality of girls and women. Mm -hmm. Um, and to, to having a society that recognizes that and understanding that we don't live in that society right now. Um, I thought my mission, (laughs) so I, I thought my mission was, um, I I don't, I don't even know what I thought it was, but I, I really felt possessed by a mission to change the world and how we support men in their healing. Um, But that mission, uh, there's a, there's a section in my, in, in the book that I call crash and burn. And it's basically was me at the top of my career and everything fell apart. And I the shame was incredible for me around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I walked away. I thought there's no way this could be my mission. I'm a yeah. failure. I, I, have, I have failed my family. I have failed to live up to any idea of conscious masculinity. So it's only been in the last year <laughs> that I've really been kind of in a new space. Yeah. And in and in that new space in the old space, my mission was driven by a desperate need to be heard. Uh-huh. Yeah. That had nothing to do with people hearing me. It yeah. had everything to do <laughs> with <laughs> the past <laughs> trauma. Of yeah. not ever being heard, so a right. hundred people could hear me, and one person could not, quote unquote, hear me, and that would anger me. It right. would drive me to 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 be louder, to be this, to be that. Like I can't do that. I, I mm-hmm. emotionally, I can't live that way. So I've had to re. Um, re-examine my mission. And mm-hmm. um, I would say first and foremost, my mission is to practice these principles in all my affairs. If I'm going to, be, <laughs> if, if I'm going to be out there espousing conscious masculinity, no matter how, how deep I need to dig, I need to show up in my home, right. you know, absolutely 100% that way. And, um, you know, the trappings of masculinity are very cunning, baffling, and powerful. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as much as I thought I was kind of wearing them as a loose garment, they were dragging me down and I, -hmm. and I could, I couldn't even see it. So, um, what's my mission now? I, I don't know if it's, the right, an- well, I, I'm not worried about whether it's the right answer, but I, I guess I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to um, move more thoughtfully into this work. Um, yeah. I'm trying to be a little more gracious. There was a, a deep jealousy that I had anytime somebody else was talking about masculinity, I had to somehow prove that I, I, <laughs> I, I was more conscious or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, yeah, yeah. How, could, how could you be talking about that when I'm talking about that? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, 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 it was a, a deep, deep imposter syndrome, deep, deep shame. I mean, there, there's nothing greater than shame to keep us stuck in the oppression of gender roles. Yeah, right. That's true. That's true.
2: Well, Dan, I feel like we could talk about this all evening, but for people that want to connect with you, what you're doing, look at your books, think more about this. Where do they go? How do they find you?
0: Um, well, uh, they can come to my website, which... Um, I think is still a, a, a good website, but it, we, it probably needs a re a revisioning. So, you so know, talk. WW
2: listeners, if you go to this website and you judge Dan, you're an asshole. So stop it right now. They're going to redo it when they have time. All right, go, give yeah. us the site, give us the site. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I think it's,
0: I, I think it's still a pretty solid website and it still reflects, you know, my aspirational, um, self. So, yeah, uh, um, www.dangriffin.com is the website. And quite honestly, dan at dangriffin.com is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, and I would love, I would love to hear from folks. I'm, I mean, I, I just was talking to a guy today who was telling me, like, this is how your books have impacted my recovery and the work that I do. And I think, you know, like, that's why I do it is to try to make a difference. But if the difference is about me, that's, that's old masculinity. That's the toxic culture of masculinity that says a man affirms himself through his success. Yeah. And what I'm learning very, very uh, hard lesson is a man affirms himself by his service to others.
1: Yeah, there it is. There it is right there. Well, I have no doubt that uh, several of the things that you've said today are going to resonate with a, a number of our listeners. So uh, prepare to hear from guys. I know. Uh, and not just guys. I, I I have no doubt you'll hear from some women, too. Dan, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, listeners, stay with us. We'll be right back on the Pirate Month.
2: We are back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Okay, so there's a couple things I want to touch on.
1: Okay, all right. Uh, what are you touching?
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, remind me later a story from this morning that you'll enjoy, but I'm not going to put on here with a poorly worded phrase. Okay. Um, yeah, the first thing was, the second you said toxic masculinity in the opening, Yeah, yeah I yeah. thought, oh, my gosh, I know how many listeners uh enjoy listening to a youtube person or a podcast person that that engages that language on one side or the mm-hmm. other for or against right, right. but right, right. that the second certain words are used our minds have been trained to shut off yeah which right. is kind of exactly. the problem so it was yeah it was fun listening through okay what what is being said here? because it was being mm-hmm. said in ways that was not my norm, which is right which which was my desire. I want to uh. hear it in another way. And what was being said was not a collapsing of there is no such thing as masculine or feminine or you know it wasn't a removal of the process right. of being a man. If you really listen, and you might want to go back and listen again if your brain kind of switched off during some of it. It was the expansion of that. And what mm-hmm. I love the most is, is the fact that there are so many different kinds of men and women that to simply focus on being a man or being a woman is kind of misses the point and pigeonholes you into whomever is telling you what that's supposed to look like. Right, exactly. Versus being If you become the man or woman that God made you to be, deeply, passionately, protective, because when you describe toxic masculinity, there's a protective side of that that's beautifully manly, and yet we also hear about the mama bear that you don't mess with. Well, I'm sorry, that's the exact same thing in a man or a mama. And so as we engage this, we have the freedom to, to become by the power of the Holy Spirit conforming us into the image of Christ, I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm a man or not. Right, sure. I am who God made me to be, and I and that will emerge as I engage my creation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what, what
1: are some of your thoughts? Uh, you know, I do—I mean— I have a lot of um, compassion and empathy for those of my brothers who, uh, you know, whose maladaptive response to trauma, a way to protect themselves, has manifested itself in uncontrolled and destructive anger to the point of rage. And that when they feel threatened and they feel cornered or they feel afraid, feel almost anything. They feel this urge inside and it escalates. And then they find themselves saying things or doing things that are harmful. Um, And it sounds to me, uh, you know, Dan didn't give us a lot of detail about his story, but it sounds to me from what a little he did, from what he did disclose, that that certainly has, uh, you know, played a destructive role in his life. Uh, For me, for me, it's been different. It's been denying, hiding, suppressing uh, 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 any, uh, any feeling of anger so that even righteous anger was outside of my reach. And in depressing my anger, I became depressed. <laughs> I also channeled my frustration and anger in other directions. Right. Uh, and it fueled a hell of a lot of my acting out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, 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 yeah, uh, it, and for me, uh, you know, recovery is a whole lot about making that heart connection again and and and, you know, learning to act in concert with my emotions under the governance of a sound mind. And to
2: be fair, to the whole toxic masculinity side, Right. There, there is a lot of glorification of, oh yeah, of anger and violence as as being, you know, amazing. I I remember when Jenny and I went and saw a Time to Kill with Samuel Jackson and uh, uh-huh. whoever the all right, all right, right, right guy, and we watched it, and, and the end or, or the it's it's about pure quote, justice, where he's mm-hmm. taking justice into his own hands. And then in the end, he gets off. Uh, he doesn't get justice against him because everyone is like celebrating the justice he enacted. Yeah. And I remember having a like few days conversation about that, that there were mm-hmm. parts that resonated with me. Yeah. And there were parts that felt like, okay, but if you're going to take that kind of justice in your own hands, you then have to accept the consequences of it. Yeah, yeah. And so th- these are the messages. And that was at least a subtle movie. Like, that That yeah. had, that was a nuanced movie. There are yeah, so many yeah, yeah. others. They're just blow everybody up. Blow them right, away. Right, sure, sure, sure. So I I get that. And anger and rage is a thing that has to be addressed. Learning yeah. what right anger is, that it has a season yeah. Uh, in our life, and then it becomes toxic to ourselves as any emotion can. Right. But anger is not wrong in and of itself. That's the complex journey of going through anger. But when we tie it to masculinity, then all of a sudden it confuses the whole issue. As if True. women aren't angry. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I've been a pastor for 22 and a half years <laughs> yeah, and had yeah, to deal yeah. with a lot of sessions with couples where, you know, women are yeah. capable of anger. Right. And, and so man I hate muddling these issues into gender right. spaces exactly. right I just don't see how it's helpful. Right. it's just an Agreed. easy handle on a club to whack people yeah uh, without considering where the whacking is going yeah well, yeah so anyway <laughs> yeah anyways. Uh I, I think it's a great conversation. I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners, just based in a lot of our cultural talk, will have a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, I can't
1: wait to hear what uh what the feedback is.
2: Yeah, but but I yeah. hope everyone gets to to listen with an open heart and think, okay, what
1: what does this really mean?
2: Despite the soundbite mm-hmm. stuff. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully this wasn't soundbite-ish.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Well, we don't always have easy conversations on the Pirate Monk podcast, but we try to have honest ones, and uh, and we do rely on feedback from listeners. You can always reach us at PirateMonkPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, as I mentioned last time, it's, it's come to my attention that it's good for us to remind listeners to give us a, a, a rating uh, on whatever platform you use to access podcasts. That pushes us up in the listings. It helps more people become aware of the Pirate Monk podcast. Uh, and but, don't feel obliged to give us a high rating. Give us a give us well, an honest I, rating. I
2: was going to say the exact opposite. I was going to say, you know, give us a rating if you have enjoyed our time together. Uh, but if you have not, then rate somebody else's podcast with your feelings <laughs> about today's episode. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah oh, okay yeah that's kind of you, you you get coached anytime you go you go into a, 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 some kind of a service-based business where they want you to give them a rating and they tell, uh, give us a it has to be a five and my um, name's bill yeah uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: weird stuff but yeah sure check it out people i've never rated anything before so i don't know if it's a complex uh process
1: but no it's not and it's uh it's, it's, a, it's a way uh, that you can uh, Yeah You can help a free podcast All right I think that's it for this week We've got plenty of other shows in the hopper Until next time I'm Nate And I'm Aaron And we are your pals Your masculine pals <laughs> On the Pirate Monk Podcast Manly Ark <laughs>